building the wrong thing faster makes you wronger. It isn't about velocity. Uh, it is about minimizing time to learning and pivoting and innovating and spending time with the customer. Hello, Zero 800 DevOps listeners. I'm happy to talk today with Jonathan Smart, business agility practitioner, thought leader, coach, and the author of a bestseller, Sooner, Safer, Happier. Jonathan wrote this book based on his vast experience working in enterprises such as Barclays and Deloitte. And I honestly wish I had this book 10 years ago. I think that many conversations would be so much easier back then. It's a great book. And John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ivan. Thanks for having me. Could you briefly introduce yourself and the context that you're coming from? Yep. Uh, so, so my name's John Smart, and I have spent most of my career working in large enterprises. And for me, um, starting out in the early 1990s, we were naturally agile. Uh, we were a small multidisciplinary team. This was on the trading floor in investment banking, and um, you know we were working to get, we were working together as a multidisciplinary team so for me this is kind of back to the future this is how it's always been for me and then over the course of my career i've taken teams on the journey from traditional big batch waterfall ways of working to working with more agile and lean ways of working um and then ultimately that led to me leading ways of working across barclays bank across 80,000 people globally, uh, across the organization. Um, and then after that, I, a couple of years uh, across industry sectors, helping organizations, and now I run my own company, helping large organizations improve their ways of working. Excellent. And, and do you share this view that uh, it's been at least 20 years since organizations have started to change their ways of working? And sadly, many organizations are still approaching this change with a prescribed project plan. It's not unusual to see organizations publicly announce that they have kicked off large-scale agile transformations. So what is your experience on how such transformations usually end up? My experience is that if it's a if it's a capital A agile capital T transformation, it is making a hard job harder. And it's decreasing the chance of success. And the reason for that is the capital A agile, when the word agile is used, it's like a, it's a tool looking for a problem. It's an answer to a question that no one's asking. Um, and it is, and you end up with a tool-based transformation rather than actually improving the outcomes you're trying to achieve. Uh, also, organizations tend to measure the wrong things, such as how many agile teams do we have? How many product owners do we have? How many people have been through agile training? Uh, velocity, etc., which are vanity metrics, um, as opposed to uh, what I would recommend, for example, quality, value, time to value, safety, and happiness. So that's the kind of the capital A agile, and it ends up a case of the robotic maneuvers of agility, um, and not necessarily focused on the outcomes that, that you're trying to achieve. The capital T transformation tends to result in a big bang, and the the, the bigger the T. In the in the capital T transformation, the bigger the bang, the longer and deeper the dip in the in the curve is the the trough of disillusionment. Um, you have a effectively a Kubler Ross curve, peak of excitement, trough of disillusionment, and the bigger the transformation, the longer and deeper the dip 
which makes it harder to uh, come out the other side. Yeah. And <laughs> when such transformations fail, uh, how does the organization look like after such initiative? What, what typically happens is someone in the C-suite will uh, move on, uh, will lose their job, either the CIO or the COO or the CEO. I've seen this multiple times. And and especially when there's a big bang, and then the rest of the, you know, the new leadership comes in and it's, oh, this agile thing doesn't work for us. You know, we'll, we'll go back to our traditional big batch, sequential, uh, role-based work passing ways of working. And it kind of sets the organization back about three years before uh, before there's um, an attempt to try again to improve how we do what we do. Yeah. It seems to me like the reason why there are so many radical changes and these capital T transformations is because if you take small steps, those small steps are probably hardly visible. And when you make radical moves, then the progress is visible even if it's in the wrong direction, but you can at least claim that you're doing something in and, the organization. And that, that's true. You can claim you're doing something. I mean, what's fascinating is uh, the actual pace of change is determined by the speed of people unlearning and relearning. The actual pace of change is behavior change. And what happens in this situation is there is no behavior change whatsoever, but we now have new labels on the same old behavior. So we now have, um, you know, squads, crews, tribes, guilds. Um, we now have stand-ups, um, you know, but, and there was one one uh, business area that I was talking to and they were saying, we do three two-week iterations of design and then we do three two-week iterations of coding and then three two-week iterations of testing. What happens when we get a bug? So it's new labels on the same old behavior when it isn't done at the pace of people unlearning and relearning. Yeah. And, and in your book and right in the title of your book, you managed to nicely summarize what every progressive organization should be striving for today. So it's delivering better value, sooner, safer, happier. So could you give us a bit more detail on what better value, sooner, safer, happier actually means? Yeah. So better value, sooner, safer, happier is a balanced set of outcomes, which in my experience works with every organization, whether it's private, public, charity, religion, organized human endeavor. So better is quality. Um, so this is building quality in, not inspecting it in later, to quote Deming. Value is value. Value is unique. Value is in the eyes of the beholder. It's the only one you can't aggregate and disaggregate. Sooner is time to value and time to learning. And that's the heart of both agile and lean. It's minimizing time to learning minimizing time to value. So then you can pivot. Safer is agile, not fragile. It is things like information security, data privacy, fraud, anti-money laundering, compliance, uh, regulation, if you're in a heavily regulated industry. So that's about agile, not fragile. And there is a myth that agile is uh, fragile. And I think anything you can do badly, and if you if you if you approach agility badly, then you're cutting corners. However, when you do it well, it's actually much more in control. And it is much safer because you have more smaller experiments and you're continuously de-risking. 
much earlier. Um, and then happier is happier customers, colleagues, citizens, and climate. Because improving ways of working is not at any cost to the planet or to society. So there you have a nice balanced set of outcomes, quality, value, time to value, safety, and happiness. What we've seen in the State of DevOps report is we've seen the mediocre performers have reduced their time to value, but quality has gone down and happiness has gone down because they're forcing the system of work, forcing people to work faster rather than actually improving the system of work and the culture. Yeah. Sometimes the simplest things are, are the best and putting it down as delivering better value sooner, safer, happier is very simple and very down to the point. And I very much like this deliberate choice of words where you say it's sooner and not faster in the end. Correct. So sometimes the fastest road is not probably the best one to take. Not this, You won't get there sooner if you go faster. Exactly. And that's there is a an anti-pattern there about being a feature factory and building the wrong thing faster makes you wronger. Yeah. So it, it isn't about velocity. Uh, it is about minimizing time to learning and pivoting and innovating and spending time with the customer. Yeah. Learning and de-risking, as you said. Yeah. And help me please clarify one thing for myself. So when you say better value sooner, safer, happier, that's not actually an outcome, right? So we should look at better value sooner, safer, happier as a kind of a framework, a guideline, uh, a North Star for our ways of working. We still need to figure out what are our specific outcomes, but it is important for these outcomes to take us one step further in the direction of delivering better value sooner, safer, happier. Is this how we should look at it? Well, so within better value sooner, safer, happier, the uh, better, sooner, safer, happier, so the, the way that this is normally graphically represented is that those four are in a circle on the kind of a circle with value in the middle. So you've got better, sooner, safer, and happier around the outside, and you've got value in the middle. So better, sooner, safer, happier, that doesn't change. That's the same across any organization, any organized human endeavor, quality, time to value, safety, and happiness. So those are your, your effectively, those are your measures for improving how you do what you do. The one in the middle, which is V, which is value, that's the one that's unique. That's going to be an energy company will have a different definition of value to a bank, to a church, uh, you know, to a charity and or to Greenpeace. So V, that's the one that's unique. And even within a large organization, very clearly, you've got multiple definitions of value You've because you've got multiple business units, multiple divisions. Um, and this is where, in particular, OKRs, I find OKRs, objectives and key results, are a great way to articulate value. And that's the KRs, the key results. Uh, in particular, lagging key results are a definition of value. For example, uh, it could be it could be financial, it could be revenue, it could be profit margin, it could be market share, it could be customer satisfaction, which has some overlap with the with the happier. Um, it could also be environmental and social governance. You know, it could be uh, carbon emissions reduction. Mm -hmm. So um, the V in the middle is the bit that's unique. Right. 
if, if you want to deliver better value sooner, safer, happier, uh, it is clear that that we want to that we need to optimize our operations for sooner, which is one of the important parts of of BVSSH, and, and that means that we want to optimize for the flow of value. Uh, what are some basic steps that an organization can do to put the flow of value front and center? Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, number one is articulate why. Why change? So that's the most important thing is start with why, because if there isn't a clear articulation across the organization as to why change, well, then, you know, why would I as as a colleague? Why why would I? How am I incentivized to improve? So why is really important. And that's a unique why for the company. It could be you know new competitors, competitive pressure. Uh, you know, we're too slow. We're too inefficient. We are. Uh, we want a more. We want to increase colleague engagement. We want a more humane way of working. So be clear on the why. Number one. Number two. Be very clear on the outcomes that you're going after. And this is where better value sooner safer happier comes in. And my recommendation is those those measures work in every company. So and they're balanced. So in terms of our desired outcomes by improving our ways of working, we want to improve quality, time to value, safety, and happiness and the value is unique. Um, And then in terms of the flow of value and improving the flow of value, so that's sooner. So we've said sooner is a priority. So then the next most important thing is for leaders to incentivize improvement. So this comes down to evolution and neuroscience. And this is really, really simple. This is so simple, which is maximize incentive and minimize threat. It is that simple. And yet companies, when they roll out an agile transformation, what are they doing? They're maximizing threat. If the infliction of agile and squads, tribes, chapters and guilds, whether you like it or not, is very threatening. Well, I I don't know how to work this way. This is a new power base. Um, Oh, I've been working this way for 20 years. I feel threatened. I feel fearful. So neuroscience the your uh, response to threat is twice as strong it quick kicks in twice as quickly and it lasts twice as long as your response to reward dopamine and cortisol um and uh, humans have a thing called loss aversion so if we lose 100 bucks 100 dollars we will feel more pain than if we won 100 dollars so therefore Again, from an evolutionary perspective, we humans are incentivized to do nothing rather than do something and get it wrong. Which is why there has to be psychological safety, which is why there has to be incentive. So it is really that simple. And it's it all comes down to incentive and safety. So minimizing threat, i.e., psychological safety, maximize incentive. So, and a way to maximize incentive. This is a top three priority for the company. You're going to be paid, promoted, rewarded, praised, pat on the back, up on the stage, storytelling, well done. Failure is good. We're not going to punish failure, intelligent failure. You're well done for trying. Excellent. There's no such thing as a failed experiment. Yes. It's it's really quite simple. Yes. It's easy to say and it's hard to do. Yeah. 
And, and since we are already talking about threats, uh, in many organizations, we have the PMO as the keeper of traditional ways of working. So PMO folks, just, just kidding here. But how does the role of a PMO change in, in the light of optimizing for flow? PMO changes from being a project management office, uh, those, just those words, project management office, instead to being more of a supporting function. Uh, and, you know, it's not to say that PMOs are not a supporting function because I'm sure they are, um, and they are in my experience. But there's uh, it helps to re rename it, I think. And the term I like to use is value realization office. So from PMO to VRO and the value realization office the, the shift in psyche here is we're helping our multidisciplinary teams of teams, in particular around OKRs, objectives and key results. So no longer do we have temporary projects, but now we have long-lived teams on long-lived products, um, long-lived aligned to the customer, and we are pulling OKRs. And we, we have a, a quarterly cadence double-click monthly cadence, double-click weekly cadence, double-click daily cadence. So the, the job of the PMO here is to support the business as usual around OKRs, objectives and key results. Um, are we limiting work in progress? Do we have no more than three OKRs per team of teams, for example? Have we got clear key results? Do we have not too many key results? Do we have leading and lagging key results? Do we have the golden thread of can we see the alignment up to the company strategy? So we know that teams are not going off left and right. So um, yeah, that's the evolution of the PMO. Yeah, I can definitely see that if, if ways of working are changing uh, and, and focusing more on OKRs, on products and, and long-lived value streams, you need to change the PMO if it still thinks in terms of KPIs, in terms of uh, project realization, in terms of those, let's call them old school ways of, of managing projects otherwise you you will just have a friction between those two worlds definitely and it seems to me like one of the main reasons why organizations have uh, such a hard time accepting this emergent nature of the work that we do is probably their reluctance or inability to work with uncertainty and and there are probably uh, they're probably thinking something along the lines of uh, how can we be sure that we can deliver this project by the end of the year or, or something similar. So how can organizations overcome this fear of uncertainty? How can they become more comfortable working with unknowns? I think um, I think it's it's about understanding that taking a, a pr an approach that has more agility significantly de-risks situations like that. It significantly de-risks the fact that the environment is uncertain. So for me, this is about this is about understanding and this is about knowledge. There is a the, kind of the, the traditional mindset is that the future is predictable. And this comes from the age of oil and mass production. This comes from two technology revolutions ago in the 1900s. And there are the traditional mindset views change as being predictable. We can put together a Gantt chart, the point of having learned the least. We can predict the future. And now the definition of success is hitting the milestones in the project plan. Even though those milestones in the project plan might not optimize for the desired outcome. So this is a, a learning journey, an unlearning and relearning journey for leaders and managers and people. 
to understand that actually the future is not predictable, that it's emergent, that for unique change that we haven't done before, we can't predict the future. And the pace of change is getting faster and faster all the time. So the only thing we can do is run experiments. So when we have something like a regulatory initiative, you said something like with a fixed deadline, let's take for an example, a regulatory initiative, and there's a regulator that has said to a company, you have to implement this by the end of May 2023. It is far more risk, um, uh, uh, far better risk management approach to take an agile approach to that, where you're learning early and often and you're de-risking delivery. It's far less risky to take an agile approach to something which is mandatory with a high cost of delay. And this is something that I've done in the past um, in financial services. We implemented six regulatory initiatives in a five-year time period, all of them early, all of them successful. And in one case, we actually got the regulator to change the rule writing because we were able to give them some feedback on what the rule writing actually meant. So it's uh, it's an understanding journey that actually this significantly de-risks delivery because we're locking in progress and we're learning early. Yeah. Quick last question, John. If you were a stranger walking into an organization, what would be some telltale signs of that organization being a learning organization? What would you see? If that organization is a learning organization, I think I would be I would be seeing I would be seeing and hearing psychological safety. I would be seeing and hearing that experimentation is happening. Mm-hmm. that failure is not punished, that people are empowered to bring their brains to work, not just waiting for the next order, if it's a learning organisation. Um, and I would be looking at the colleague feedback. I'd be looking at engagement surveys. I'd be looking at the, the free text fields in terms of what's it like to work here. Excellent. I think you all learned something today. <laughs> John, thank you so much for this conversation. People, uh, Sooner, Safer, Happier is an excellent book describing what agility is all about. As I said, I wish I had this book 10 years ago. It would change so many conversations for the better. So thank you, John, for your time. Thank you, Ivan.